This is Caleb and Jared. We are here today. Hello. Just saw the movie Sinister. I, for one, never watch horror movies. I not, like them. Not really my cup of tea. But I was listening to a podcast with Kevin Smith interviewing the director, Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy who did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. Excellent movie like that, especially for a PG-13 horror movie. A Viola grad, like someone I know. And then he followed that up with That's me. Uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which I haven't seen yet. Never seen it. Uh, it got mediocre reviews. And then this movie, Sinister, which got really good reviews. Little backstory it's the um, producers of the Paranormal Activity movies. Now, now weren't they, because uh, the interview that we listened to, wasn't he um, investigating the Memphis Three, which is about. Um, a little bit, uh, I don't know the full story about it, but it seemed like there was some form of, like, some type of a satanic type of ritual. Or the occults. Mm-hmm. I think... Sac- sacrifice, I mean. I think he was working on that after this movie. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, HBO did three movies called Paradise Lost about the Memphis Three. I wasn't sure if uh, Scott Derrickson was... It, it, it interested in kind of occult killings and that's in this movie or if that was something he found after the fact. But regardless, this movie... He definitely is because if the occult is dealing with Satanism yeah, or any kind of demon worship or whatever, they, they tend to be so interconnected. Um, it's interesting that this movie deals... They, they have a name for it. I forget the name of, of the guy. They Sat- call him... Satanic Panic? <laughs> no, no, the the boogeyman <laughs> in this movie, oh. they call him... Um, uh, Bob ba- ba- Balzaba? No, not, not Bill. Yeah, Bill, it's Bill, not, Bill, but, uh, it's not, be- it's uh, like it's not ba- Barbaloo or Marbaloo or something like that. Bar- Barbalub? And That's not right, but I forget, yeah, okay. Which I'm assuming is based on a real kind of creature, some pagan um, story. Maybe fiction, I don't know. That he lives within the images, and that's kind of how he continues Yeah, on. so let's talk about the movie. What do you think about okay. it? Okay. I thought it was really good. I thought it wasn't great. I didn't think it was as good as Emily Rose. I'm kind of leaning towards the, the B range right now. Well, I think it's interesting, first of all, Scott Derrickson, obviously, a Christian guy. He makes movies mm-hmm. about, um, you know, uh, Emily Rose was made for the purpose of, if I can expose the reality of evil that might make people believe and also the spiritual reality of goodness, the metaphysical, yeah. paranormal, or supernatural, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Of goodness. In this one, there's less of a crisis of faith. The, the guy, I mean, there's a little, there's a short dialogue in it about the guy saying, I don't believe in those three words, supernatural, paranormal. But uh, it wasn't a crisis of faith movie at all. Uh, yeah, that's true. Not at all. It's, it's a horror movie. And without giving too much away, tell me kind of the plot. Um, yeah, it is. And... Um, Okay, so the basic plot is Ethan Hawke is this writer. He writes crew, uh, sorry, true crime fiction. Yeah, true I guess crime. it. I guess it wouldn't be fiction. Yeah, like in the Garden of Good and Evil or, t- yeah. or true in, crime novels. In, in Cold Blood or yeah, Capote. yeah, like Capote. And this guy he used to be big in the past. We see him watching these interviews of himself, and now he's trying to regain that by moving into the house where these murders 
took place. Yeah, some years he's ago. He's going to write the story. Some years ago, he wrote uh, a successful novel called Kentucky Blood. So yeah, it's Kentucky called, Blood. He had written two duds before that, and uh, this time is a little bit different. He's moved into the house of the murder of the murder scene. It doesn't tell his wife. The cops and the local cops, I guess there's a little bit of, um, in his true crime novels, he kind of shits on the cops sometimes. Yeah. But uh, So the cops confront him in the beginning of the movie, saying, bad choice, like, to move into the murder house, or poor taste, I think they say. And so he's in the house of the murder scene, and uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked for the first Man, I don't know, three quarters of the movie? Yeah. It, it's good in that. It's, it's a good unfolding mystery. Yeah, it's suspenseful, and you can go a lot of directions with it. Um, and the first thing we, that hits us about this guy is we don't like him very much. He's not that likable of a guy. He's not that harmful of a guy. He seems like a, a good husband, good yeah. father. But he's putting work before his family, and he's a little bit neglectful of kids, and a little bit of a. Uh, yeah. But he's obsessed. Whenever you have these haunted house movies, you think, why don't they just leave? This, they actually gave him a motive to stay, and it's because he wants to write the story. Why, why does he want the story? It, it Expose the, this is not getting too much away, but the serial crime. Yeah, he wants to, to solve the mystery, as it were. But can you explain the serial, serial, there's a serial nature of the crimes, are, yeah. without giving too much away. Well, basically... I wonder if the cops knew that the family was hung from a tree before he saw the footage of it. Basically, yeah. he goes up into the attic, he finds these film reels from a Super 8 camera, and he sees that four or three members of the family were hung by a tree, and that there's one missing child, which is presumed dead. Yeah, the cops talk about where's the missing child. And the tree's in the, in the backyard of this house. The film he finds is a series of murders, which... At first, I thought this happened a long time ago. Why would the branch of the tree still be bent like that? But then we find out that this was the last people who lived there. It all looks old footage because it's Super 8. I, I like, just, well, that, that's a bit more believable because it was the last people. You know, um, what's the director's name? Uh, Scott Derrickson. Th- this film, to me, was a little less tight. I, I disagree with the branch. I think... Uh, Look, look, before I say this, let's unpack the narrative real quick. Yeah. Moves in the house, my brother described, through these films he finds, which kind of, uh, which you don't know yet. The films describe uh, previous murders, which are all in, in different fashions, but there's always a kid left. There's a, there's a, someone's filming this, which we don't know as an audience, and we soon discover that all audience are, are in, in these movies, these Super 8 films, there's a... Mysterious figure Bo- looking bo- boogeyman in the background. Yeah, boogeyman. That they start calling the boogeyman. He looks like a demented clown. So, so this writer gets to see this, and I want to say that I I disagree yeah. with the branch being left. Unrealistic that they move in the house and the, the he cops. uses lots of Apple products to find this out. Yeah, there's an Apple <laughs> placement, but I do not like that the cops haven't cut down that tree branch. I think that's a little bit on the nose. Yeah. It's a little bit on the nose there. Um, yeah, it's a li- it, little too deliberate, I agree. And, and there's a little bit of side stories of, like, that... Uh, they, they, they try to suspense with one of his sons has night terrors. And it doesn't really... It, it kind of just creates suspense in the beginning, but then never, like, reveals... Or really, like, comes to some conclusion point about that, you know? Um, I, 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 there was I, a good I, mystery there of... We know one of his kids is going to go missing. That's true. Yeah. Kind of okay. survive. But there is a mystery of is it the daughter or is it the son? 
because the son starts having these nightmares. The daughter starts drawing stuff, which kind of happens after the son has the nightmares. We've been talking a few minutes. Let's let's critique this film. So, okay, acting Ethan Hawke. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. He he can he carries play. it. He's in basically every scene. Yeah, it's all about Ethan Hawke. Um, the, the supporting actors almost have nothing to do, save the son who has night terrors and crawls out of some creepy situations. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a local cop, the deputy. The deputy throws, you know, can throw you. I'm not trying to give away, but the deputy can. No, the deputy was a good, good character for the very simple reason of bouncing ideas off of someone. The deputy's a Scooby Doo character. You know, you know, you don't know who the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, is he the man behind the mask? We don't know. But, yeah, not a big supporting cast. At one point, he's Skyping this professor who knows a lot about the occult and crime and kind of the associate, who's, you know, doesn't factor in a great part, which I thought that was a good character. Yeah. Um, directing, it's, you know, I don't feel like they abuse the jumpiness factor. We yeah. had we, we had it pretty loud on... And it, it, it's not just for jump sake. It's a thriller, and I feel like the, the plot does carry... Uh, there was really only two big jump moments for sound-wise. Yeah, they don't, I thought. they don't capitalize on that, which I do like. He's trying to create a scary movie. Yeah, the box and the lawnmower, without giving anything away. Well, yeah, well, obviously... Oh, yeah. We're, we're the two big sound in, moments. In first sense, there's a box of film that is yeah. a part of this movie. But when, when the box starts moving... Score, they, they add score to the Super 8 film, which is... The music drove me crazy. It was just so damn creepy. It, w- it was effective, and that's why it drove me crazy. It's a little bit like... Such creepy music throughout the whole obviously thing. Obviously, this music genre doesn't exist, but a little bit of, like, orphan-type, like, a record in the background at an orphanage that's really corrupt. Or... Yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> messed up music. Yeah. I think there was, there was some debate. I think when he's playing in the Super 8 movies, there is audio. No, there's not audio. Beyond that, because you, you hear kind of the crackling. Let's talk about film. Of the film, it's it's shot very dark, very dark. It's not claustrophobic. Is it claustrophobic? It, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of wide shots. There's not a lot of wide shots. Not a lot of wide shots or film. It's cl- but it's not too close. It's not yeah. close. And, they, and I like that they don't use a lot of over the shoulder shots because that's that's a little hackneyed. You know the the darkness bugged me though because it's it's hard to escape some of these horror movie cliches and stereotypes sometimes. Obviously, the dark is scary. But here's a guy who's, like, going around with a knife and a baseball bat yeah. trying to get these things, and he doesn't turn on a light there's in the house the entire time. Yeah, in the, in the entire movie, there's literally not a light turned on. Yeah. <laughs> in the entire he movie. He uses his iPhone flashlight yeah. once and doesn't even have, like, a good flashlight. The guy is very green. He does not believe in <laughs> yeah. using electricity <laughs> at all because there's no lights turned on in this movie. And there, there's one power outage, but it's like, okay, there's a power outage. They explain at one point, yeah. But just one scene. But th- th- that's, that's it. That just happens one time. But Turn I do like, there's, there's, almost no, uh, there's almost no over-the-shoulder or closed-door, open-door type frights where a door opens. Yeah, the, which, the, which I like that the house itself wasn't really possessed. And I do like also that there's the, you know, that kind of overdone, I'm going to crawl into the attic scene, and I'm, I'm going to shoot that really close and tight to see what's over the shoulder. They do not do that. Whenever he enters the attic, it's always very withdrawn. So you, yeah. get, you get a full scope of what's in the attic. And it's not cheap. The, the thrills are at least intentional. Yeah. Are they I good? Like the, 
Are they good? Does he they're, they're good because a lot of it's not gore. It's not like I'm super. I was almost surprised at radar actually because there's a very lack of gore. There's almost no language. Yeah. Obviously, no sex or anything like that. Yeah, just just horrific elements, I guess. But but do they? I mean, is it obviously the intent is you know it's a horror film. Do they? Yeah. Do they? Does the director achieve that? I think he does. Um, and I think it's a very good story, but he, there are. Does he achieve it through lines. through plot and content, or does he achieve it through jumpiness? The the horror parts yeah. of it. Yeah. I think. I think what the I mean there's the slow reveal, yes. You know, which I think is is effective. Yeah. Um. But but the whole point is that like he's never gonna fight this clown guy face to face, or whatever. So let's let's criticize the rep. The, the scary part is that he never knows how he's gonna be attacked or what's gonna happen. And the genius part of it is that even when they leave the house, they're not safe. This thing follows them. Mm. So he doesn't understand even what he's against. Mm. And I like the ambiguity of seeing the kids. And like, mm. are they are they good? Are they victims here? Is it kind of the, the thing you see in a lot of horror movies where like the creepy kid shows up, but the kid's just kind of this innocent, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, I want to say... Um, it, it's it's successful. That, the director is a smart horror maker. I think this is really his second proper film in horror. Yeah. Yeah. Emily That's Rose ob- obviously is is a good horror movie. Horror movies have a hard time of being um, rated on, you know, yeah. general things like Rotten Tomatoes or MDB or things like that. Overall, though, I, I like that he's not the over overly confident. Yeah. Well, your protagonist. Like, yeah. He's not overly confident. I like that there is a slow reveal as you described. I like that, um, you know, it, it's horror movies tying up when you reveal the antagonist are always very difficult to describe, especially in Supernatural, or, or be, be successful with. It, it's a good, it's a strong effort towards it. Yeah. They, well, maybe you can touch on the paranormal activities for a second, and we are going to wrap it up, because he's kind of partnering with, with these guys to make that kind of $3 million film, and it's a good fit, but it's not like the best fit for him. I think as a writer-director. Yeah, this movie is not about the antagonist. It's not about the reveal of, like, Jurassic Park is, like, mm-hmm. it's in theaters right now, uh, where the movie's not about, you know, the last half of it is not going to be about the actual antagonist. You have very little contact with that. It's more about the unraveling of the mystery about who the antagonist is. And I, I think that that's a strong play, because if they revealed him and that person, this boogeyman person, was more involved in the film, I feel like that would have been a little bit too tongue-in-cheek and cheesy. Uh, because yeah. he, he... However you display him, he's going to have, like, superpowers that are completely overwhelming that man cannot fight, and that's going to be... create conflicts in our mind about being unsatisfied. And that was a little problematic, as you, you don't really know what you're dealing with. He burns the film, it shows back up. It's it, a very... It, it's it was a very... A very he was a very non-physical villain that he's kind of up against. It's a, very, it's a very late play, too, that when you finally... Yeah, there's no way to defeat. Um, this it's it's kind of the psychological thriller, and then it becomes kind of this physical thing. But, um... I mean, the director knows what he's doing with horror, and I'm excited to see how his career unplays. He's still very young. Yeah, he that's has, true. He has a lot of time... But... To, for, de- to develop what he's after. 
I, I don't think this is his best work yet. I think he has he has yeah. he has room to grow. But for what it was for a three million dollar horror movie, very effective, very thoughtful. I don't know about thoughtful. Well, as far as the story having it, mystery goes, I'm going to say that it's tight. Yeah, the. I guess I like the added element of Ethan Hawke being kind of really obsessed with finishing the story, but it's too little too late for yeah. him kind of getting out of it. He's, he can't break the cycle. And the real horror is that, like, like he can't escape it. So here's my, you know? here's my grade. I'm going to say, as a film, I'm going to give this, like, a C, a C rating. Oh, tough. Tough critic. Is a, is a horror film, which is a lot more lax grade, I'm going to say this is a BB+. Okay. And I'll, I would kind of combine the two and say B, B minus. Is one thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're interested in the scary movie, there's a lot of shit out there over the last, like, five, ten years. Yeah. I mean, since, like, The Ring, I don't know if there's been, and uh, that German film about the... Was The Ring good? The, the Ring's good. But, uh, the German film about um, the vampire girl daughter. Oh, uh, Let Me In. Let, yeah, let, which the right, was, let the Right One In. Let the Right One In. Strong film. But it was remade. Are you talking about the original? I've only seen the, the oh, okay. original. But uh, beyond those two full films, um, and maybe uh, record the original Spanish film, yeah. there's in the in the horror film industry it's, it's uh, this is, is an effort to be a smart film. It's not as smart as Let the Right One In. Um, and it's not, it's, it's not capitalizing on just the easy thrills of just being jumpy and loud like you said there's only two instances where they're using yeah. that there's not over the shoulder shots or open door and close door and there's something behind it nothing like that it's it's suspenseful I, I like the crime element that he's investigating and it's good it's a good film yeah. it, it's, it's definitely it's like halfway there it's, it's a head above a lot of the shit that you see about which are horror films end up being really corny in the end yeah he, he's trying to make a good film and I'm excited about where the director is going with his time Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks, Gib. Let me get lighter. This is Caleb and Kent, April 22nd, 2013. We just saw the movie Oblivion. Oh, man. This was a slow movie. You know, I don't know if it was slow. Uh, it was. It needed 20 minutes of trimming, though. It I took its time. Yeah. This was at least two hours. And probably could have been, you know, an hour 45. It's slow. The, the beginning, I really liked the setup of it. The first half hour, I really liked. This is the guy who directed Tron Legacy. And you can tell he just had a huge budget on this. And Kind of an interesting setup. His, his geek was showing during the whole movie. It really seemed like he was influenced by... He took his 20 favorite sci-fi movies <laughs> and tried to use a little element of all of them. A little bit of Wally, a little bit of 2001. There's some, yeah. Some recall. There's, there's the clone some... thing, Six Day. That's what it the was. The host. Six Day. You're yeah. Right. We're even told a recall a little bit. Because, like, the guy doesn't know who he is. Matrix. Yeah, Matrix. And so first half hour... I liked the tone of the movie, I have to say, because it's, it's kind of dark and somber and moody, but there's still a lightness to it, there's still a, kind of an energy to it, 
but when you keep that somberness and darkness for two hours, it really doesn't work in this movie because not enough happens. You know, there was like nothing happening in this movie. There's a lot of mystery and tension, and the moment the mystery's kind of resolved, they still keep pacing it like it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Like the story c can happen in 45 minutes as far as just what, what actually happens story wise. Which I, I just, I, I normally don't do this, but I wanted to prove to Caleb that I knew the end of the story a half hour before it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it did, and, and I kind of did too. We were talking back and forth. As soon as you see him in, like, the log cabin, you know, you know, he's going to end up there. <laughs> Earth is my home kind of thing. And, and there's nothing, I mean, I, some, I, sometimes... You know, Star Wars, other movies are, are taking, like, good concepts from other things and making, you know, a, a new kind of film out of them. And there's nothing... I mean, there's so much you can do with dystopic future movies. And there's a lot of good stuff in here. Beautiful music, beautiful scenery. As much as I was kind of joking about, wow... The music is excellent. The music's yeah. the best part of the movie. The music Kudos is stunning. Kudos to the music. Uh, as, Tron that, Legacy also had excellent music. And, um... But that, that was more fun music. It was kind of this techno-electronic music. There was a, a kick to it, an energy to it. This was, this was Tron Legacy meets um, Inception. <laughs> yeah. Music. Th this was much more a somber music, but there were really punchy and energetic scenes for the music. So I appreciate that. A little bit of the island in this, too, I think. You yeah. Right. You said that. And I was probably making cracks well. Did Tom Cruise just eat up the casting budget because it's it's all him, literally? But but he does a really it's a small good job. Cat. Yeah, Tom Cruise is great. He plays he plays Jack Harper. Another Jack. Another Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just really confused. Like they have, you know, he has these these memories for his time in New York. And I guess he was a NASA guy who spends his free time roaming the streets of New York, meeting strange women and taking them up Dude, to the Empire State Building. He took her up there to ask her to marry him. I thought he just met her on the street or <laughs> something. Because <laughs> they keep having that flashback to him seeing her on the street. Oh. Right. That was his biggest memory. He asked her to marry him. So was that the first time they met, maybe? Love at first sight? No, and then they, then they jump ahead to... To them on the Empire State Building, he you know? asked her to meet him. He asked her to meet him there. Oh, okay. Remember, she said she says earlier, like, uh, "You asked me to meet me there. You were so nervous." Okay, well, that's fine then. Tom Cruise, of of course, gets to play against two very beautiful women, twenty years younger, <laughs> as his contract dictates. Ouch. Which you know, <laughs> can't blame him. Um, Ghost Protocol. This is not say that. I, I hope that there's another Mission Impossible in him. Well, I... You know, it, it reminded me, pacing-wise, it was better then, but there was, there was a little of that 1970s and Solaris type of Logan's Run type of thing going on, the minimalist. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that. Apparently it's based on a it graphic was novel. Some... I kind of want to go check that novel out now. Yeah, because you can read that in 15 minutes. It's <laughs> yeah. one of the reasons. Like, just tell me what happens. Like, what's... If you cut the fat. Yeah, okay. it's, it's... The pacing needs trimming. So he's Jack Harper, so he's this, like, big NASA astronaut. 
and I guess they, they choose him. I guess he survives. Did, did any human survive this, this nuclear attack? Like, this is 2077. They said 60 years ago. Well, the, the Earth was wiped out by aliens. Well, or, 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 or they wiped that. out the moon, and then the moon, like, changed the, uh, the nature. Force and nature did the rest of the job for this, uh, this tech thing, so. which is a little like, uh, little comics like Brainiac goes to each world, sucks up the energy out of it, destroys it, goes on to the next. Yeah, so, I'm we're sorry. giving this all away. This is all spoiler alert on this. Do not. Listen yeah, no, to this, this is fine. We yeah. we are pro spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So the Earth is messed up. There's all these natural disasters, let's say, and it's uninhabitable. They say maybe because they mentioned radiation at one point, which kind of hurts this woman and probably would have killed her if she didn't get medical help. So, and then they say, okay, so they moved all the humans to Titan, which I, I think is a ripoff of Titan AE. Is that what Titan AE is? that a, no, 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 a Saturn, uh, a Titan, moon of Saturn? Titan actually is a moon of Saturn. It is, okay. For real. Uh, Titan AE was not named after, uh, was not the moon of Saturn. Okay. Titan Although AE is its own would, planet. You would be forgiven for mistaking Titan AE with AE and Oblivion. Yeah, you know, there's <laughs> like, hey, it's Titan AE in here. Was Titan AE with, with, like, the fake planet that they made, Bob? Yes, that was the fake planet Bob. Or, Bob was the second Earth, but Titan AE was, like, its own mechanical Earth, like, Bob was, like Bob was not the bobbing Bob that was in Tom Cruise's uh, ship throughout most of this movie. Yes, <laughs> the bobblehead. What does Titan AE refer to in Titan AE? I know this is wow. off topic. I just realized this movie has something to do with Titan AE, too. Okay, but, I, know, but, I know it's off topic, but what what is Titan AE in Titan AE? Is that the fake planet? Uh, the Titan Project is the thing that creates the fake planet. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the, the okay. device that creates Bob. Or there's some of this here. So, so they evacuate all the humans to Titan and set up a colony there. Did they really do that though? Is that the mystery? Of he finally gets to like Sally, and Sally's really this how-like robot, this red eye, and the whole like. Was she the alien that, like, was brainwashing and cloning a, a couple humans to repair the drones? Oh, Sally wasn't... Uh, they took... The, Sally the, was a robot. The, the tech took their their um, recordings of Sally, and they kept kind of, like, using her to communicate with That's why it was all staticky the whole time. But that you, bugged me. I'm like, why is it so static? Don't they have better intercoms here? I'm like, what's going on? Well, what I want to know is that if you have this super hyper-advanced technological system that can blow a hole in the moon, are you telling me they can't, you know, recreate new words from vocal patterns of a few sentences? I mean, I think Siri on my iPhone could do that. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, or just... <laughs> they're using... The... But no, they're re-looping, like, all her same phrases so they wouldn't have to reconstruct her voice saying different things. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, it, it was good in the sense of like. I guess you were trying to give the audience a clue. Yeah, it was a clue, but it was also believable enough that she would be communicating with this person and not knowing completely. So, uh, so do you think Titan was just a, a myth that that they tell the you know the the, the drone maintenance the watchers? Basically, oh, in two weeks you'll be done, and then they just kill them. Yeah, probably like that's yeah. what I was thinking. That's what, I mean, they're just clones. 
Well, then why did they need all the extra clones? They had like a whole bunch more of them. If they were going to be done in two weeks. Of Jack Harper? Yeah. Weren't the clones there because like he can only cover so much space on Earth. Well, exactly. So that all the towers and stations were set up. Well, exactly. But why did they have so many extra up on the ship? Yeah. And if do... the project was almost over. And, and was the, the Tom Cruise we follow most of the movie, was he the original? No. Or was he just a clone? No, he was a clone. I mean, the, was, the, the original was, die, was, probably. He was 49. Oh, he was number four. Okay, Technician 49. Yep. Okay, good. I didn't catch that. Uh, so the original probably died long ago. Torn apart for DNA. Yeah, okay. Well, that's right. And I guess they, they, they picked him and this one other woman, Victoria... Well, they were the two who made it into the ship. Remember, they uh, they jettisoned the rest of their crew, which became the what was recovered by the scavs. So they're the only ones who survived this nuclear attack, basically. Well, the rest of the scavengers. Right? And the scavengers, right. But right. they're the only ones who made it off Earth. Yes. Okay. So basically, they erase their memory and implant the memory of... Maybe not implant, but just tell oh, there's this colony... That, you know, we built this colony, and he's probably like, hey, I don't remember ever building a colony. <laughs> Did we have that technology back in 2017? Because that's when Earth was destroyed, is 2017, so we have, what, four years left? <laughs> well, they, there was no colony. There was no colony. Right, that was all a fabricated story to make them believe. But Jack and Victoria believed were... there was a colony. Right. On Titan. Yes. That's where they thought they were going to come to. Right. But really, they were just going to be killed. More than likely. For some reason. Reabsorbed into the it, And maybe the reason is because after a while they just start asking too many questions and they figure stuff out. Did they name Sally after Sally Ride? I don't know. What's Sally Ride? You know, it's funny. I, I sort of, I mean, it was sort of fun to poke fun at like, oh, there's, there's, there's this reference from this sci-fi film or there's this reference from this sci-fi film and I... I, it's kind of true. There's there's a lot of other stuff. At least if you're gonna borrow, borrow from good movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, this is like one of those. I, I got it when the critics kind of hammered it and the audiences gave it B minus. I still sort of want to give it a B. I still yeah. want to say, wow, this could have been. The visuals this, were wonderful. It was. A, this is still a good film. Very it, good it, setup. If it had been tighter, I think it could have been a very good film. Yeah. It, it tried to maintain that dreamlike quality throughout all of it, and this is where I think I think Wally got the got got the message. It had that that dreamlike slow pace for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then we're gonna we're gonna fire off and and the, once the audience figures out what's going on, we are gonna move the plot. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what Oblivion failed to do. Yeah, because it it tries to move it, but it's all like we're flying this ship and we're being chased by drones and we have this kind of, yeah, it's, you know... It's all kind of at exactly that same... Empire Strike like, Back rip-off where that, we're going to turn yeah. the plane sideways and escape oh, through through cool this canyon I, I here. Was, you know? I was thinking Millennium Falcon and... The yeah, totally and, the, <laughs> you know. What is that remind you? That, that the, the, the action sequences got my blood pumping a couple of times they happened. They were, they were effectively done. Yeah. So so, and and Cruz keeps up the intensity. Even See, I don't get it. Slow. He really emotionally keeps me. 
connected to what he's going through. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you see when he's making his final fight, he, he does this, this flashback that he remembers everything because he's playing this recording. So there's like the NASA ship that which breaks off into two and then just him and Victoria go into the the big Superman shield alien ship. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a tip to which I'm assuming all of this is just a deliberate homage at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's designed like a giant triangle. It, you know, it does look beautiful. Gorgeous lighting effects. The, it does. Okay, so so the two of them make it to the thing and the rest of the ship where the people were in their hypersleep you know, aliens homage. Was that just floating around for 60 years? Apparently. And then they didn't age at all because they're in some hypersleep thing where they don't age, which I can buy that because enough people do that. You can put drones all over the Earth's planet and it can blow up the moon, but it can't find this thing in 60 years and shoot it down. Yeah, so (laughs) finally it it crashes. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, this part confused me too. MST three thousand. It it, fina- it finally crashes, and and it Jack. Crashes because the scabs pull it down with the homing beacon. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, that's that's how they they attract okay. it. They bring it down. And it just so happened that Jack was in that area recently, checking out stuff. Well, so he sees the flames. Every area. Ajax, sure. Um, so so he sees it and he goes down there. And the drones start blowing up the pods of people. Not sure why, just because they're loose ends. Like, just let them be, unless they're afraid that the scavs are going to, you know, go open it up and resurrect the people. But why do the drones really care? Like, what are they going to do? Oh, we escaped. We have no technology, no machines, and we can't really do anything. (laughs) (laughs) The drones, we must stop you. You might go into a cave and try to drink water. What are you doing? So Tom Cruise saves one of them, who happens to be his wife. Well, I guess he he was looking at each one in the face, and he saw that it was recognized the face. And then I thought we get we get. Acting was quite quite good though. Even even the uh, the other girl, uh, you know, when she sort of activates the. uh, the It is. They're they're really good. They're really good actresses, Olga. But they're such just vanilla personalities. I, I almost They're just expressive, beautiful people. I, I held it inside me when I saw the kid fall down, and I said, and now here comes the part where she picks him up. No. Yeah. <laughs> it really seems like she's reacting to green screen, and she doesn't even know what she's looking at. It's just like, just staring awe and wonder, like kind of have this this somber awe look. And then that was like the, the main direction they, they gave. Tom Cruise staring pensively at a lake for 20 minutes. <laughs> because he's trying to get away from his marriage problems. It was beautiful, and you know the music kind of kept it going, kind of completely kept. Okay, here, kept here's my my question though. So, so he saves um, Julia, right? And then later he's like, he's having this talk with Morgan Freeman. No, no, Morgan Freeman is talking to another guy. And he's like, oh, well, what makes you think he'll do it this time and he'll cooperate and stuff? Because I guess they keep kidnapping Tom Cruise's <laughs> and it never goes well. But like, oh, well, this no, is the no, guy who's special. The one because they, he was the first one they tried to capture. He's, he's, he's he Neo, the damn it. He's the one. Okay. <laughs> so maybe he was the original. The original probably died. 
but he's like becoming more human-like, I guess, because he's having memories, and he's reading the book, and he saves the woman, and he like has the, the grass that he brings up, and then the bitchy wife throws it over the edge. <laughs> so I guess it's Morgan Freeman's plan to be like, oh, we're gonna, you know, threaten this uh, woman and make him help us. It's Morpheus's, I mean, Morgan Freeman's plan. <laughs> yeah. But it, it seemed like they were suggesting that it was Morgan Freeman's plan to, like, kill all, like, to keep her alive. You know, you know I am going to Like, this wasn't this. your plan. I'm you just lucked out that he saved her and that you now have yes. leverage because you can kidnap her. This wasn't your plan at all. No, they were they were trying to rescue them all. The drones got to them before they did. Yeah. You know, I, I do want to point out, if someone would say, hey, you know, you There's shouldn't re- deride this movie for being so cliche and dri- driving itself from other films... Well, then you really shouldn't put such obvious visual cues yeah. in the movie. If you don't want to be compared to Hal, like 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 yeah. Wally wanted to be compared to Hal. They, they, yeah. they were asking for it. If you don't want to be compared to Hal in 2003, don't make your bad guy a single red laser beam light. Yeah. They borrowed from better movies, don't which make, was the problem. Don't make your, your wizened you know, leader of the resistance who's calling your one out of ignorance and showing them light a guy with the glasses and the trench coat. You know? Yeah, I, like very Book of Eli. Like I to- and he totally died, and then he, he shows up later. It's like... We saw you, t- you took your last breath and you hunched over, you know, like, <laughs> this is not believable. What's going on here? So, so just, uh, I just want to say, like, there's some, if you, if you want your movie, yeah, like, if you don't want comparisons to be made, don't invite them that hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of seemed like, like this Twilight Zone episode of this guy just trying to figure out what's going on. And there's always this weird twist where it's like... Oh, there's only I'm the only survivor. I imagined it, or you know, it's it's kind of this completely different thing. So, you know, the the director he doesn't quite pull off what he's trying to pull off. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I again though, I think it still would have been a lot better. Fifteen cutting fifteen twenty minutes out of it. Yeah. Maybe just get... pacing alone could have made this. Hire him as like a production designer or something, cinematographer. Oh, or, it's amazing, you know, and it's not overwhelming either. Maybe I was not kind of thinking at the beginning how how completely overloaded with effects yeah. mm-hmm. some other sci-fi movies that shall not be named <laughs> are, and and how much nicer it is. Sure, it was very toned down. To have actually was... like like sets and people and great scene and of gratuitous skin gipping. You know. I, I noticed how good the cinematographer was. Where he placed the camera. Like he got emotions, yeah. he got people, he kept me engaged. A lot of people yeah. taking showers. You know, he was very big on that. Uh, Tom Cruise, man, I want to look like that when I'm. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. He, uh, he works hero. out. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm kind of like I'm thinking B B minus at this point, um, something around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. A, I mean, it's... a very solid effort. I like the director. I liked Tron Legacy quite a bit, even though that had its problems. It did. Kind yeah, of still, in the middle. Like it's it. almost like, you know what it is? It's like he overcorrected Tron Legacy. And, and said, we're going very serious. We're going very serious. With we're this. Going very, 
and we're going to explain everything very in yeah very explain and made me like i want a freaking gladiator to fight with people throwing you know frisbee discs at each other and it made me want that more i don't mind if you have you know a dj with a pompadour show up in the middle of this and just (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i would be that's what this movie needs at this point a little levity well, you know, I'm okay with the, the first third of the film having that dreamlike mystery draw you in quality, but man, once once we start like once he actually got you know found the girl and got and and, got, and then he got like hit by the scavs, I was expecting that was my 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 third act turning point. Yeah, like want, let's punch I it want, up. Let's I want like twist, twist, twist to keep me on, yeah. on my toes for the rest of this. And what it, that would have been like we're building and then now we we can really let loose. And it, it was tough because because the villain robot like like there was no face to it there was no identity to it you no, couldn't just... really personify it it's like why do they need drone maintenance why can't they just make more or send more or something like they're like the self sustaining thing you know it was well they were I they sort of said that that they used the the army of jacks at the beginning as warriors to mop up the rest of the humans then they kind of kept a few of them down there for. Um... Yeah, they did say that. that. Though you, you kind of, yeah. I, why did they need humans to maintain their own drones? So one human could have the flashback and <laughs> could rise up and destroy them. I mean, I'm just saying they could wipe out the moon. They could make all these drones. They could make giant machines that suck water and convert it into energy. What? Uh, <laughs> did, was it just it an me, he wanted to like the, keep an ad, you know kind of like Brainiac right he, where he shrunk a city and kept it yeah. like he just they wanted to keep like one Adam and Eve from each planet they conquered and, the, the how and, alien was like Leo DiCaprio and, and Django Unchained why don't they just rise up and destroy the oppressors oh look eventually they did do that okay yeah so um uh, cool, good stuff. We'll see if uh, After Earth does any better. <laughs> or the other 17 um, <laughs> post-Earth films coming out. Looking, for, looking forward to Seth Rogen, like, knocking yeah. that one out of the park. <laughs> exactly. I, I expect the effects to be equally as... <laughs> yeah, that, that has potential. Okay. 